Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Stuff I Heard podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Peak. Um, every once in a while, I do these solo. I know usually you guys are listening to me interview um, somebody or having a conversation with my buddy Josh Treadaway. But today's a solo. Just me. You got just me. I hope that's enough. I hope that's cool. I hope that you're driving down the road and you're like, man, I wish I could listen to Josh talk about something because golly, I am missing him. Well, guess what, folks? I'm getting back in the swing of things. I am supposed to have my eye surgery uh, this coming Wednesday. I'm supposed to have a lens put in my eye. My right eye has been injured since October 13th. I was uh, helping my wife do some projects around the house and got bailing wire stuck in my eye. Um, some of you who know me personally have seen me and have heard me talk about it at length. If you've listened to this podcast, you've probably heard me talk about it. If you've seen me on YouTube, you've probably seen the video. I made a video that day saying, this is the wire. This is the exact wire that went into my eye. Now, not to be all gross and stuff, but when I was getting ready to hang a picture for my wife, I had some bailing wire wound up into a, a roll about, you know, I don't know, about a foot, foot and a half in, in diameter in a box. And I unraveled some to go on the back of a picture, hooked one side, you know, so I kind of could, could gauge my length and stretched out the wire on the back side of the picture and cut the wire thinking, okay, I'll just cut this wire and then I'll hook it to both sides of the picture and then we'll be good to go. It'll just look great and I'll be able to hang this picture and I'll be done with my honey-do list for the day. Because this was literally the last thing we had on our list of things to do that day. So when I cut the wire, it sprung back. And when it sprung back, it went inside of my eye. Like it punctured the, the cornea and everything uh, damaged the retina. Um, it's one of those things where a lot, oftentimes you're doing stuff around the house and you get debris that kicks back and, you know, gets you in the eye and you, your initial reaction is to jerk away and go, Oh, you know, cause you, you're protecting yourself. Your body's natural subconscious muscle memory is just to protect itself from injury. So when I jerked away, it didn't stop from hurting and I danced around in the, in the garage for a little bit going, ow, 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 ow. And my first thought was, why do I feel a vibration in my head? Like I could feel bone <laughs> underneath, I guess, the ocular area uh, vibrating. And I could feel it vibrating from the wire. And it, I couldn't open my eye because it hurt so bad. But like as a, as a, you know, basically a guy in shock, I reached around and I touched it. And I felt it vibrate more. And I was like, it's, um, it dawned on me. It's still in me. So I had to grab a hold of it and pull it out. Um, and I thought, my first thought was, oh, that's not good. And my second thought was, oh, I've just derailed our lives, mine and my wife's lives from this point on by this freak accident. And it was terrifying. I wanted to cry. I wanted to be angry at someone other than myself or some weird chance. And I couldn't, it wouldn't have done any good. Um, I did have the presence of mind to not to rub my eye. Cause of course, you know, anytime you're irritated in your eyes, you want to rub it. Cause you're like, ah, this is, you know, 
usually it's debris. And if you can rub it, you can get to the edge and kind of flick it out. I didn't do that. I did look at my hand to see if there was blood. Of course, my hand was kind of dirty and I thought, well, that's not good. Let me get a paper towel. I had a paper towel there, put a paper towel up, didn't see any blood. And I thought, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Does your eye bleed? Suddenly my brain turns into Wikipedia trying to look up facts that I don't have. And I was like, okay, well, what do I do now? Um, so I came inside and I told my wife, I said, I've had an injury. I think, and I, I, I had a hard time processing the words cause I kept saying, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. And she's like, what? Cause she didn't know. And when we finally went to the doctor and, you know, got everything rolling, one of the things the doctor first said was, this is probably going to take you four to six months. And we heard four to six weeks. That's what we wanted to hear. We wanted to hear that this was going to be an easy fix. But at that moment, I was terrified I was going to lose my eye. Um, and it wasn't until I had a surgery that day. And then two days later, had another surgery. The first surgery was just to close the globe because fluid was leaking out of it. The second surgery was to fix the retina. Um, the, the, the retina had detached. This was to fix the retina and uh, clean out the cornea because I had a cataract forming. Um, and, you know, it was, it was scary. Um, I had to wear this weird eye patch thing on my face so that I wouldn't accidentally rub on my eye or, or, you know, bruise it when I'm in the middle, in the middle of my sleep. Uh, you don't realize how often you do touch your, your face or rub your face on your pillow in your sleep. So I had to wear this weird shield thing over my eye, which was, it was disturbing. Um, went back the following day and they took the bandage off and I was in tears because I could actually see out of that eye. Now, it wasn't perfect. It was at best a blurry vision of everything. But it, it was a vast improvement from what it was before the surgery. Um, up until that second surgery, I was in a lot of pain because the cataract forming is basically proteins flooding the eye and blood. I could actually... You could see in my eye a level of blood like rising up like lava. I mean, it was it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> and I know right now if you're driving down the road and you're listening to this, you're like, dude, bleh, stop talking about this. This is disgusting. I know. And I'm sorry. Um, I said all that to say this. I'm getting near the end of this. And it's been almost six months. Uh, if this happened, you know, like I said, October 13th, then mathematically you know, mid-April should be six months. Um, with that being said, also, my disability runs out mid-April. So the time is getting close for me to have to go back. Otherwise, I'm out of money. And I'm freaking out a little bit because my doctor had problems getting the lens. There was this huge storm out west, and apparently they didn't understand how to track mail or how to get mail or whatever. So... My last appointment was on March 4th. I was supposed to have surgery March 17th. And here we are. It's the 29th. And they called me last week and said, oh, we got it. I don't know why it took mail over 20 days to get to them. But now they've got it. Um, I, made a, I made a call one time and I said, listen, 
I'll drive to California right now and be back and still be back in plenty of time because you guys have no idea where it's at or when it's going to be there. And at least if I do it, I know I've got it in my possession. And she's like, well, you know, we're, we're trying to drag it down. I'm like, are you? <laughs> Cause I don't think you are. Um, it was a little bit of a mess. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, I got the sun in my eye right now. I got the window open cause it's pretty outside. But, uh, anyway, I'm trying to like guard my face with the middle of the window. I didn't think this through with the sun coming up. I thought it was like a good natural light, but turns out I'm uh, blinding myself in the process. Anyway, I'm going to push forward. Um, <clears throat> so this Wednesday, I have a surgery scheduled uh, Wednesday morning. Um, today's Monday. So, you know, I wake up two more times and then I go to Columbia and they're supposed to be able to put a lens in. There are YouTube videos on lens replacement, but it usually has to do with cataract surgery. They don't have to remove a cataract this time, so you'd think that it is going to take less time than it would for someone who's having cataract surgery. Um, fingers crossed, I'm hoping. So I got a little bit of inspiration along the way, and one of them came this morning. Actually, it came yesterday. Um Perry Noble, if you guys don't know, Perry Noble used to be the pastor of uh, New Spring Church. He uh, battled with alcoholism really bad. They fired him. Um, his wife left him. He went into rehab, and when he came out, he didn't want to do the church again, but some people have a calling, and he has a calling. He has a natural calling to be a religious leader, a church leader. Um, Second Chance Church just grew from being online only to having a physical place that they rented to now they've bought a, an old grocery store and renovated it to be a church. And yesterday was their first service at their new place. And <clears throat> he had a quote that I really like. It says, when they throw bricks at you, don't complain. Pick them up and use them to build something great. There's a lot of truth to that. A lot of people take things that happen to them, whether it's circumstances or words or whatever, and they let it defeat them. But I think the important thing in all this, the important lesson in, in his situation and in mine, is <clears throat> to take the things that have happened to you and use them to grow. <clears throat> use them to make you better in whatever the situation is, whether it's a different approach to the way you look at things or if it has to do with, you know, how you deal with conflict or deal with trauma or deal with things that come your way. Um, either way, it's a lesson. And it's sometimes hard to look at the lesson when you're going through it, but it's important to recognize that there is a lesson. And whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, there is a godly type lesson that you're going to learn. Um, if you want to call it God, you can. I prefer to call it God just because I have faith. Now, there's a lot of people talking about aliens, you know. What about aliens? What about, what does God think about aliens? Okay, so... Let's just say aliens are real, okay? Let's just say that 
we're not aliens. Okay. Just I'm throwing that out there. If you guys have been to Walmart lately, is it questionable if we're aliens? I mean, there's some alien looking people at Walmart lately. Um, oh, speaking of Walmart, <clears throat> their their new uh, check out yourself line. Uh, I went there the other day, checked out some groceries myself because I didn't have an option. They had no people on any registers and got to the thing, scanned my groceries, put them all in bags, got to the, all the way to the point where I'm paying and it, it wouldn't let me. And this lady come over, I flagged her down finally after she helped five other people. Cause there's only one lady up there for, you know, 12 registers. Um, she come over and she goes, Oh baby, this one's down. You got to go to another one. I really want to just leave my groceries right there and go, no, I'll just go somewhere else. I mean, I really wanted to do that. I was so, I was so pissed off about the, oh, you just got to do all this work yourself again. Cause it ain't enough that you're paying for it. I'm bagging it yourself and having to look up your stupid codes for your vegetables and all that other stuff. No, 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 no. You've done all that. And, 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 You've not liked it, but you've gone along with it because this is the no, this is the way things are going. Oh, but this doesn't work now. So just do it again. Like undo everything you just did and redo it again because you have no choice. That's basically what she didn't want to say that, but that's basically what she was saying. Now, she's not happy about it. She's not being paid to say stuff like that. She's being paid to say, I'm trying to make this work because this is my job. I get that. I totally understand. But as we move towards this stage of automation and stage of growth, it is going to be difficult for us as consumers, for them as employees, for the company trying to figure out the best way to move forward. Um, I just think that uh, this is one more nail in the coffin that's going to move me away from Walmart and towards my local grocery store like Foodline or Harris Teeter. Or IGA. I mean, they still have people at the registers and they're still really nice. Now, Harris Teeter's trying to do more and more of that self-checkout stuff, which works fine if you're buying like one or two items and you don't want to wait in line. I mean, I get that. To me, that's what that should be for. I'm just picking up one or two items. Let me just scan this, do my card and get out of here. Okay, fine. But not, I've got all these groceries for the week <laughs> and now I'm having to scan them, bag them, possibly have to move to another register and redo all this crap over again. I mean, I'm going to leave it at that. If you guys know anybody at Walmart and you care to share this story, please do. Maybe it'll help. Maybe someone will hear it and go, you're right. Maybe we should do something a little different. Maybe we should open up a register or two. What would it cost us in the big, in the long run? Um, so anyway, this is the stuff I heard podcast. So I want to talk about some stuff I heard. Um, I watched a few things this week. I watched on Netflix, this movie called the last blockbuster. And it's basically a documentary about how blockbuster came to power as a video rental place. Uh, A lot of people younger don't understand what that is, but, um, it used to be that if you wanted to watch a movie, uh, if you didn't go to the movie theater, you waited to come out on video. And whether that was a VHS tape or eventually a DVD, 
your video rental place was the place to go. Here in Florence, we had uh, a few places. Um, one of them was called Finkley Movies, and the other was Blockbuster. Now, Finkley's was considered our local hometown rental place. And because it was local and it was hometown, it was a little bit cheaper than going to Blockbuster. But they didn't have the selection that Blockbuster had, and I didn't understand why until I watched this movie. This movie talked about profit sharing and and points and how one company bought another company, and because of that, they were able to afford to do some of the things that they were doing. And there's lots of comedians and actors and and uh, directors, uh, Kevin Smith's in it. He talks about, you know, at a certain point, like if, if Terminator two was coming out, your local mom and pops video rental place would, would splurge and they would get three copies because for them, it cost them a hundred dollars per movie to get from the studio. But Blockbuster had this weird, uh, sharing process because of their ownership from Viacom where they could just get, you know, 25 copies at a fraction of the cost. And if you went to your mom and pops and they didn't have it, you went to Blockbuster and you rented it. And that's kind of what happened here with between Finkley's and, and Blockbuster. Because Blockbuster just put them out of business. They just had more selection all the time of the newest stuff. And eventually Finkley's just went away. Well, as the story goes, eventually Blockbuster went away. And a lot of people blame Netflix and Redbox and stuff like that, which did hurt them a little bit, but it also had to do with the stock market crash where money was tied up into their company from other companies and it eventually cost them their company. Um, it's a very interesting story. There is still one blockbuster open in America in Bend, Oregon, and there's lots of celebrities that go there to, you know, Oh my God, I can't believe you guys are still here. And they, they take photos, a lot of, a lot of YouTube celebrities, I should say. Um, but in this movie, I mean, people who are doing the interview process go there and there's a very nice lady who runs a place. She's basically employed the entire town at some point or another or their kids or their grandkids working in this blockbuster and they're still going. <laughs> and there's some people that believe that they, they may make a resurgence kind of like records have done. I don't think so, but there's some people that believe that. So anyway, it's kind of an interesting show. Um, you know, if you're interested in Blockbuster or curious about it, it's a cute little thing and it tells you all the highlights and it interviews the right people and it even pokes fun at itself and it's it's cute. Um, on the CW, uh, Superman and Lois has had their latest episode. Uh, we're getting ready for a break. Uh, the app that I'm watching it on shows me when the new episodes come out. So we're at March. Like I said, today is March 29th. Um, so tomorrow would have been March 31st. They're coming out on Tuesdays. You would think that's when the new ones are, but no, the next episode shows like May something. It's already got the date listed as when it's going to air. I'm not exactly sure why. Probably because of uh, basketball tournaments on TV. It's on the CW, so maybe they were like, we can't compete with basketball. Let's just wait. We'll, we'll, we'll re-air these on this channel and then you know, come May, we'll have the new episode and maybe by then the buzz will be around and people will watch it. So listen, Superman and Lois is pretty decent. Um, if you want to check it out, it's a neat story. Um, I'm enjoying watching it. So, and I've, I've talked to a few people and they're like, I like watching it too. It's pretty cool. It's a neat concept, you know, 
Clark and Lois move back to Metropolis. And there's got a multiverse element into it because there's a there's a dude that's Lex Luthor from a different universe who's in his world. Superman's the complete bad guy. And there's a lot of television and movies moving towards this multiverse possibility of things happening in different places. So with that being said, let me say this. The Zack Snyder cut of Justice League came out and I watched it. It's an it's an investment in your life. It is four hours and four minutes of content. Um, I don't know the exact story of why Zack Snyder was not allowed to finish the project before. I heard it had something to do with the death in the family. Um, at the end of the movie, there is a set of words in the center of the screen. It says for autumn. Uh, I Googled who is autumn Zack Snyder. And it said that she was 20 years old. She committed suicide. I don't know if she was a friend. I don't know if she was a family member. I'm sure that if I had done some more research, I probably could have figured it out. But apparently he was making this movie and there was a death that he had to leave production. And Everybody apparently knew how he wanted to film the movie and the approach he wanted to film it. And when he had to leave the project, someone else came in and finished it. But when they finished it, like it was kind of garbage. Um, I watched the Justice League when it came out uh, and I was not impressed. Now, apparently he wanted to come back and do his version and everybody that was involved in the project, all of the actors, all of the writers, all of the producers, everybody wanted his version because they felt like it was better. So a lot of them redone their costumes and they revamped the studio and they shot more content and they added more content and they recut and re-edited the whole thing to tell the story his way. And it's much darker and it's much more invested and you learn a lot more about the characters, which I had said before that they felt, I felt like they rushed everything too much. This is better. This is way better, but it's also, um, it's hard for me to remember what the original was. I just remember watching the original and being like, yeah, it's okay. This one I watched and I was like, this is good. Like, this is really good. He did a great job. And it just shows you, you know, how one person's, creativity can exceed expectations in a lot of ways. And his version, in my opinion, exceeded my expectations. I did not look forward to spending four hours watching this. And I'll be honest, I didn't watch it in one day. I would watch 30 minutes and have to pause it to go do something or watch it for an hour and pause it and have to go do something else. And eventually on the last day, I watched the last two hours sitting still and I had to pause it while my wife came home and, you know, we had dinner and she was like, what are you watching? And I was like, I'll watch this tomorrow. She's like, no, no, you can finish watching it. I was like, okay. And there's an alternate ending thing that pops up where there's a glimpse at the multiverse. And I actually had to watch some YouTube videos about how this makes sense or what it's supposed to mean. And, um, there's very good descriptions online. Um, there's one guy in particular, emergency addict, I think is what it's called, or emergency addicted or something like that. Anyway, the, the guy makes some really good, really good in-depth descriptions of what it is. Just YouTube, you know, Zack Snyder, Snyder Cut, what does it mean? And you'll see some stuff come up. Just watch videos if you're interested. It's very interesting to see 
how it changes their entire franchise moving forward. So uh, kudos to Zack Snyder. You did a great job. And to all the actors and people involved who stepped up and said, hey, this is worth us doing. And the studio, the studio had to pony up more money. And I'm sure they were nervous, like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Who's going to watch this? <clears throat> me. <laughs> and a lot of people like me. Uh, so anyway, after watching that, uh, I watched um, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, had their newest episode. I talked about a new guy donning the Captain America outfit. And this episode is more about him. Um, it is Wyatt Russell. Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. Uh, he was a hockey player, professional hockey player, uh, turned actor. And the story is lining up so that he is going to be some type of just really awesome soldier that may have some of this super soldier serum in him. Uh, but apparently not. Like he, he runs upon some super soldiers who kick his butt but he holds his own a little bit. I mean, it's, it's very interesting, the dynamic that they're growing in this show. And, you know, Kevin Feige doesn't miss an opportunity to tell a story the correct way. He is, they're all taking a page from each other's book. I think they're really paying attention to John Favreau in that no actor is ever wasted. Like you're going to see people come back up. You're going to see storylines loop back into each other. And that's, really how you get people invested is they want to see these characters develop and change and, and become more than they appear in the beginning. And, you know, he's doing that. Um, there is a young girl in this young girl, young woman in this who, uh, not to give anything away, but is the leader of this organization that they're apparently trying to stop. And, I recognized her right away. She's from the Han Solo movie. She's at the very end of the Han Solo movie. I, I, I saw her face and I was like, oh, I know her. She's got red hair. She's got kind of dark complexion, British accent. Very cool actor. I think that she's going to be in a lot of stuff. I mean, she's got whatever it is, that presence about her where she seems like she's going to be elevated to a different status at some point. Like she's going to take on some starring role at some point. I think she's got that quality. I don't know if it's just the look or if it's her accent or if it's a combination of the two or the way she acts. I mean, she's in an action sequence and I took note of the way she was acting. I mean, that's kind of the level of actor she is. So, um, check out the Falcon and winter soldier. Uh, pretty good. <coughs> okay. So then I did a, um, I went on my, my, my TV and watched uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Now, the Wolf of Wall Street came out in 2013, and it's the real life story of a guy named Jordan Belfort, uh, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And it's about Wall Street. It's about this guy who wanted to become a stockbroker. He wanted money. He wanted to be able to make money. He wanted to be able to provide for his wife. And he got in right when the stock market crashed in '87 and was suddenly out of work and was nervous about what to do next. So he went looking for a job and his wife helped him find this thing in the paper about going to work for some company selling penny stocks. And he was like, what's a penny stock? And he 
soon realizes that there's an angle that he can turn on this penny stock stuff where he can make a lot more money than he ever thought about making on Wall Street because at the time, penny stocks weren't really regulated. They were really seen as like throwaway garbage stocks. But he realized he could sell these garbage stocks to people because he was a good salesman. And he got salesmen who had nothing to do with the stock market come on board and help him sell more of this garbage stock to people. And after a while, he was like, wait, like his wife pointed out, why don't you go after the people? She's like, I don't, I don't like the fact that you're going after people that don't have the money to spend. Go after the people who have more than enough to spend and get them to buy the garbage stocks. And, and that's when he suddenly revolutionized the idea of, well, let me teach these guys what to say, how to say it, how to sell it, and we can all make money. And with that money became excess. It became drugs. It became, you know, women. It became just debauchery, right and left. It was basically, uh, from that point on, a commercial about excess in the 80s and 90s and sort of a cautionary tale of how things can go off the rails really quickly. Um, I felt like I was just watching a commercial for the word debauchery. I mean, that was just this guy. uh, It's amazing what he was able to do. Um, And the fact that he didn't hurt more people in the process. I mean, it's just, it, it should be a cautionary tale for a lot of people. But he also only got like three years in prison, federal prison, playing tennis, looks like, you know, one of those fancy prisons. Um, and when he got out, he was he was like clear of everything and he could go back to doing some type of job. And so the end of the movie shows him teaching people how to sell, which was initially his biggest skill was being able to teach people how to sell. And I don't know what he's up to now. I didn't Google it. There's a lot of nakedness in this movie. There's a lot of drugs in this movie. Um, Margot Robbie is smoking hot. Um, I think that's where a lot of people know her from, from that movie. Uh, Very weird exchange with Jonah Hill as one of his best buddies and partners in this scam where he's talking to him about the fact that Jonah Hill supposedly in this, like the character he's playing, he's like, there's a rumor going around that you married your your cousin. Is is that right? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we grew up and she got hot, and I didn't want none of my friends to have her. So, so I figured, you know, I'm, I got an in. I'm a cousin. I I should be able to date her if I wanted to. And he's like, okay. Like, <laughs> it's just a it's a very disturbing conversation, but it it made me giggle for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> um, I guess I just got a warped sense of humor. Um, I blame the Marine Corps. I'm having a weird thing going on with my light here. Um, <laughs> I'm actually blinded right now. Let me, uh, hey, just keep listening to this. I'm going to close the stupid blinds because I can't see. The sun decided that it's going to like permanently blind me. So I'm turning off that light. Or I'm closing that blind. That's too bright. Can't do that. Ugh. There, that's better. So, listen. <laughs> uh, I listened to a lot of podcasts in the past, and I started listening to Burt Kreischer on episode one of the Burt Cast, episode one. Um, and he would say sometimes that he liked listening to podcasts where real life would happen. 
He's like, you know, I understand that a lot of these things are produced and, you know, they got a guy on the, on the board and all this stuff. And he goes, but to me, I like the moments where like you're listening to Joe Rogan and someone's like, Hey, I got a piss. And he goes, go take a piss. I'll, I'll just keep talking. And so, you know, he's like, he's like, and, and people don't stop listening. They still listen because they're, they're, they're curious. And I thought, well, yeah, I mean, if I ever do a podcast, I'm just going to record through whatever. I mean, why not? Why not? It's real life. Hey, we're all real. I'm real. You're real. There's no difference between me and you, except I have this stupid microphone and you haven't gotten a microphone yet. You can, but you just don't have one right now. But even having a microphone, there's a difference between doing and not doing. I could have just as easily said, I got a lot to do today. I'm just not going to do one. And most people do that. But I'm compelled to do this for whatever reason. So here you go. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Wolf of Wall Street, crazy excess, crazy way to tell a story. Um, I don't know. I wonder what kind of drugs they're doing in movies where they can keep snorting stuff up their nose because they visibly show this a lot. I've heard that it's like vitamin B6 or something like that or or maybe like confectionery sugar or because it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But there's a lot of drugs and a lot of nakedness in this Wolf of Wall Street story. But if they just told the story of him doing the sales pitch and talking to people about their money and getting them excited about their money, it should be a cautionary tale to a lot of people about not falling for traps, not falling for people to catch you off guard or get you in an emotional state about your money. Uh, if anything else, you should be listening to someone like Dave Ramsey talk about how you should save your money and invest it smartly. And he doesn't say, you got to buy this garbage stock because it's going to take off. And, you know, there's a certain amount of people in this world, and I realize that, who are addicted to gambling and they're addicted to the quick fix. And I guess if anything else, this guy, Jordan Belfort, he preyed upon people with that sensibility. They wanted to take a chance. They wanted to gamble. Stock market is gambling in a way. I mean, yeah, sure. This thing's going to take off. Awesome. Invest me. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, I know nothing about the stock market except that I have money in 401k <laughs> and, and IRAs. So anyway, um, I watched a very uh, funny comedy show on Netflix, uh, Nate Borgazzi, the greatest average American. He talks about being in quarantine. He talks about, you know, being a dad. Um, there he's doing a concert outside of what looks like the LA Coliseum in Los Angeles. And he has to stop a few times because it's an out. So it's, they're doing it outside to be socially distanced, but to have a crowd and helicopters keep flying over top. And he's like, hang on, here comes another one. <laughs> I mean, they could have edited all that, but but it just became funny that it was like the ongoing thing of, yeah, this is real life. This is what we're going through right now in, in 2020, 2021. I mean, I'm sure he filmed this in 2020 and just it just came out like two weeks ago. But it was sort of a, it was it was real life and it was still funny. And it was... There was a lot of it. I was like, oh, yeah, I can see that. That's that's totally like my life or that's totally a situation I could see myself in. I mean, he's a good comedian. It's a good comedy show. Um, and then I watched something on Amazon that I don't know if I like it 
or if I, or if it's like one of those accidents that you can't stop looking at, they have a cartoon that just came out this week called Invincible, and it's based on a comic book. It's all animated. <laughs> it's got the the voice of uh, Omni Man, which I guess is supposed to be the main character's dad. Uh, he's like a superhero guy. Is the guy from the commercials, the farmers insurance commercials? We are farmers. Boom, 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 boom. That guy. That guy's the voice of this main character's dad. And supposedly he's from another planet and he's got all these Superman type abilities, but he's living like a normal life and he's got a regular wife and his kid is a teenager. And suddenly one day he has powers and he tells them the story of I'm actually from another planet and we're sent here to protect the planet. And I didn't know if you would ever have any abilities, but now that you do, I got to teach you how to use some of these, but is Omni Man seems to have this weird thing of like there's a particular episode, I think it's the second or third episode, where he enters this supposed to be like Justice League type fortress with these guardians. Uh what are they called? Guardians of the globe. These other superheroes have formed this allegiance group where they're trying to like thwart alien activity or whatever, you know, this typical superhero type justice league type group. And they all have different abilities and they all have goofy names and Omni man walks in there and spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear this part, just turn it off now. (laughs) But Omni man walks in there and kills all of them. I mean, brutally kills all of them (laughs) in a horrific way, but seems to have no memory of it. Like he fights them to the death and barely makes it out himself. And when he comes to, he's in the hospital and he has no memory of what happened. Meanwhile, his son becomes a superhero himself in a way. He's still trying to learn how to fly and how to land and how to, how to do things. Cause he's like, I didn't know I could do that. Um, they ask him at some point, what's your superhero name? And he comes up with the name invincible and they're like, it's a little pretentious, isn't it? <laughs> Seth Rogen actually plays this alien guy, guardian guy that he interacts with in outer space. And he's like, uh, he's like, what do they call you? He's like invincible. He goes, listen, I just fought you. You're totally invincible. <laughs> it's kind of a funny exchange, but uh, it's so silly in a lot of ways and so wrong in a lot of ways. And, and also so delightful in a lot of ways. I can't explain it. Um, if you're into really odd, disturbing yet, dark humorish kind of stuff and you don't mind uh cartoon blood and guts you know check it out <laughs> so anyway um uh last episode i talked about van nystat on youtube coming up with his spirited man series and he came out with a new episode about a friend of his and about how he came up with the logo for spirited man and it's pretty good um, I've gotten a lot of people to look at it and, um, I don't know for whatever reason lately, this Van Nystad series has me watching more. So, and paying attention more and like paying attention to, to my narrative more. Um, so yeah, check that out. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Marty Green passed away this week. 
I met Marty when I worked at Budweiser years ago. I got out of the Marine Corps in 98, started working at Budweiser. I made friends with this guy named David Bovere, and me and David uh, would go out and hang out. And there was a local place here in town called 231 South, and on Monday nights they would do comedy. And at the time, my brother was helping me by babysitting my kids. Uh, he'd come over and spend the night, and I'd go out for adult night. I'd just go out to do some comedy. Like, I'd listen to comedy. I'd have a few drinks with my buddy and just, you know, be home by 1030. And that was it. Um, 231 had a restaurant that was built in the back. And whenever they would have comedy, they didn't have a local comedy scene. So they would say, does anybody have a joke? If you we're going to have a little comedy contest, if you have a good joke, come up here and tell a joke. And if, if you win, you can win a hundred dollars towards uh, dinner over here at our restaurant. And I don't know why, but <clears throat> I jumped right up on stage and told a joke and I won a hundred bucks. And as it went, I got to where I was winning it kind of regular. I would, I would just go up there and tell a joke. And sometimes I'd be sitting at a table with people not intending on telling a joke and someone would have a joke and they would say it. And I go, go up and tell it. And they go, nah, I'm not getting up there. You go do it. Okay. I'd get up and I'd tell the joke and I'd get it. I'd win. And I'd go, here's your, here's your good part. Oh, I didn't, I didn't do it. You won it. You know, and I was like, it's your joke. Why? I? All right. How about this? How about you meet me next week and I'll take you out to dinner. And we got to where that was kind of a habit of things that were going on there. And because I worked at Budweiser and because I knew the people that run the place, they told me, they said, as long as you're here by this time, you don't have to pay an admission fee. Cause I know you guys are going to be here drinking and hanging out and having something to eat. And, and we, you know, we recoup our money. That's fine. Um, but this one particular time I come in and this guy, this tall, bald headed looking dude bouncer comes up to me and my buddy David's like, Hey guys, we're having comedy tonight and you guys need to pay admission. And I was like, who's this guy? What a jerk. I can't believe, Hey man, we know the guy. He's like, listen, I'm just doing my job. They told me I need to collect money from you guys. And I'm like, well, this is crappy. So I was pissed off at the guy to start with. And then like maybe two or three weeks later, he come to work for us at Budweiser and I'm teaching him how to do the job. And I'm like, aren't you the guy that like made me pay you a, an admission fee? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got to joke about that. And I got to tell him about, you know, why I thought it was so ridiculous, but we became buddies. And Marty became one of those guys that I talked to a lot. He, um, he was a big physical presence. He was a nice guy. He worked hard and he just wanted to do better for his family. He met his wife while he was at Budweiser. They got married. Um, they had a few kids. Um, there's a lot more I could tell you about that, but I'm not going to. I later worked with him at Coca-Cola and he went to work for the railroad and when he went to work for the railroad, it was about the same time I went to work for IFH, PFG. Um, we saw each other less, but we would bump into each other at the store or at, you know, some festival downtown or something. And whenever I saw him, we would stop and we would talk. And it was literally like no time had passed at all. Like we were mid conversation every time we saw each other. And no matter what he was doing, with his kids or his wife, 
he would stop and he would he would look me in the eye and he'd shake my hand and he would talk he would get a smile on his face and he was like it's really good to see you and he would he would talk to me like I was the only person there and he smoked a lot I remember that and <clears throat> he got stage 4 lung cancer and he passed away this week and I loved him he was a beautiful human being. He was, he was impressive in a lot of ways and in ways that I can't really describe. Um, I'm sad for his wife, Shannon. I'm sad for their kids. Um, the funeral's Wednesday, same day as my eye surgery. And I'm sad that I'm not going to be there to pay my respects. Uh, I reached out to a friend of ours, uh, Bruce Monson, we worked together also at Coke and Budweiser, and Bruce went on to work for a pharmaceutical place. Um, Bruce actually became one of Marty's neighbors. He bought a house specifically near Marty so they could be buddies that lived near each other. And I reached out to Bruce, and I was like, Bruce, you know, I'm so sorry. And he's like, well, Marty didn't want anybody to know he was going through this. So... Anyway, not to end this on a bummer, but rest in peace, Marty. And with that being said, I'm going to sign off. Thanks for listening. Um, Watch some of this fun stuff if you want to. Come Wednesday, um, you know, if you want to pray that my surgery goes well, I'd appreciate it. If you... uh, want to say a little prayer for marty's family please do and with that being said i'm off please remember rate review subscribe share with your friends and as always cue the cow